Welcome to Season 6 of Paper Talk, where we talk about tips and tricks on navigating and building your small creative business. I'm Quinn Nguyen of Pinga Mosey. I'm Jesse Chu of Crafted to Bloom. And I'm Sarah Kim of Handmade by Sarah Kim. In Season 6, we'll be sharing our experiences and insights on running a small creative business from managing finances to building your brand. We'll also be interviewing other small business owners and experts in the field to get their perspectives and advice. So join us as we dive into the world of small creative businesses and help you take it to the next level. Welcome, everybody, to Season 6 of Paper Talk. We are so excited to announce a little bit of a change this season. We have a new co-host in the house. (laughs) And you guys know her as Sarah Kim of Handmade by Sarah Kim. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Thank you for having me on here. So, so no, you're not just you're not just going to be on here. You're going to be on here a lot. (laughs) We're so excited for that. Yes, we're so excited. It's been really fun. I would say the internet has brought me closer to these amazing two ladies, Jessie Chu and Sarah Kim. I both met them off of Instagram and they reach out to me when they were coming to visit Seattle and says, hey, I'm here in town. Come meet with me. And I said, yes, of course. And it's so <laughs> funny because Sarah husband was literally standing right there as we're chit-chatting because he didn't know who I was and thought I was like a stalker or someone. But it was was really supervising me. Yes, it was so fun. (laughs) But I would say over the past few years, it's been really amazing. Internet friends are just absolutely amazing because in certain ways you do get to stalk them a little bit without them knowing. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But it's been so fun. These two amazing women, I would have to say, are so savvy on how they run their business how they run not only just the creative side of creating beautiful art, but also successfully running their business, which this season six, that's what we're going to be specializing in because we know you guys can make beautiful art and we want to help you run your business a little bit better. So this season, we're going to be specializing on bringing different speakers in and actually our own experience on how to take your business up a new level, especially since we're done with the pandemic and people are now traveling. People are ordering a lot more. I definitely see it in my business. Do you guys see it in your business too? I think people have, yeah, are returning and turning their minds to the present and what they need to get done, whether it is weddings or it's events or they want something in their home. I think they're being more present now. I'm having a lot more events and workshops. So it's nice to see that. It's picking back up. Workshops for sure. There's so many people who just want to learn from us. And I think that's really cool. Just seeing the joy in their faces and realizing that there's another medium that they could work with or that they can do something with their hands and create something beautiful and magical. Yeah, it's been really nice to get back into that, which I know, Quinn, you are. (laughs) I have to tell you something incredible. A few months ago, I was actually approached by a publisher and they reached out to me and asked me to write a book about paper flowers. So I'm so excited. (laughs) I am so thrilled about this opportunity. I've learned a lot in the past decade on how to make paper flowers. And I can't wait to share some new techniques I've learned over the past couple of years, especially doing so many different workshops and teaching online and in person. And translating that to a book form has always been a dream. I think that's the thing. You've always put it out there into the world and it's speaking back to you. So happy for you. Thank you so much. So excited. And there's going to be so many more exciting things happening this coming year and next year. Jesse and I are collaborating with some new projects that we can't wait to share with you. 
And with my book launch, I am going to be doing some huge rollout. So stay tuned because exciting things are happening. They sure are. So one thing you're probably questioning is why are we bringing Sarah Kim in and what's happening with Jesse? So <laughs> we're here to spill the tea, you guys. Well, we brought Sarah in because she's amazing. Yes, 100%. And she's, she runs her business so successfully. You're like every conversation we've had with you, whether it's on the podcast or off of the podcast, I come out of it feeling really inspired inspired and just kind of, wow, this girl is pounding the pavement. Like everything she does turns to gold, but with a lot of work. There's a lot of hard work behind it and a lot of thought and a lot of care into that. And I think it was very natural for Quinn to be like, you know what? I'm really comfortable with Sarah filling in my big shoes. <laughs> but Jessie's not leaving. She's going to pop in every once in a while to fill yeah. in the seat. But we're so excited. It's been really amazing to see what paper flowers actually bring to the table and who you get to yeah. meet along the way. And yeah. Sarah, tell everybody a little bit more about you. I think over the couple years, especially during the pandemic, my business has totally shifted. But definitely I specialize in paper flowers just like you guys. And I think currently I'm just trying to grow my YouTube channel and just growing more as a content creator. So I thought it was like a perfect fit when you invited me to be on here. I was really excited about it. And then when you had mentioned that maybe I could take over, it, I was really scared, honestly, but I thought it was a good chance for me to be better at public speaking. And I thought it was a good way to also network within the paper flower community, but also just other small creative industry businesses that are out there. So I was like, I need to take this chance and take this opportunity to join in. And I'm excited. Yeah. I always wanted to be more present, my face and being on Instagram, but it's so hard to do that. But I feel like with the 12 years of experience being in business, I thought I would have a lot to say about some of the trial and errors that I've been through building my business. I thought I might as well start here. And then eventually I would love to incorporate that in my content that I have out there, whether it's reviewing my favorite products or talking about the trial and errors that I've been through. But yeah, I get to do it on here first and Yay. hope to have some more of that in the future. We're so excited. Yeah, so excited. And Jesse, why are you leaving? Not leaving, but just taking <laughs> less time with I'm paper I'm stepping top. back. Yes. Yeah. The past, the past year has been in some ways a year of growth for me as well, in other ways, creatively. I've been making paper flowers since 2020, 2016, 2017, but it's always been on commission work, which is great. I'm very grateful for it, but kind of like for other people. And I thought, I'd, it's not even thought, it's a feeling that I had that for me to grow as an artist, I needed to do something more for myself where I can kind of express more of myself. And so that's why I've also been moving towards more concentrating on more exhibiting work, on building my CV. Obviously, my goal at some point is to have my own series and have my own solo show and be represented by a gallery. And it's a little bit different from what I've been doing in the past. But that also meant that I have to say no to a lot of things I've been doing to find that time to really in invest in my creative practice. And I think this is the time. It's also my kids. I have two of them now. When I had one, it was not too bad. But with two, I, found I'm, I struggled actually with it. And Quinn, how I was struggling with that. 
we had to see Amy McGee to try to figure out like what is what's working, what isn't working. So I've been asking that same question to myself over the past year or more than a year and a half. And one of the things was having to step back on a lot of the projects that I had said yes to or not taking on as much just so I have that space. And uh, the podcast is amazing because I'm talking to friends. I'm talking to you, Quinn. And every time I talk to you, I'm like super energized. I also realized that at this point right now, it's I need more space to do other things. And I'll be popping in for some of the interviews but I I do have to hand the torch over to Sarah to do the majority of the interviews with you. And who else? Who better else to hand it over I to know. than Sarah, actually? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'll still listen to you guys. I'll still be around. I'm still around, technically. It's just I won't be as engaged in our paper talk community. Mm-hmm. That's all. So, Sarah, I know that this season we're going to be specializing more on small business kind of tips and advice for our listeners. And if you guys have any specific subject or area that you want us to explore a little bit more, let us know. DM us on Instagram, email us at info at papertalkpodcast.com because we're always wanting to hear more input from you. And we're really excited to see who we can bring on to this particular season, which we have a lot, you guys. We've already booked out probably 15, 16 episodes already. And we're really excited to show you what paper flowers can bring to the world and how we can help other small creative business because running a business, it's the same ABCs, the bookkeeping, the accounting, inventory, shipping, marketing, things like that. Our medium might be different, but the basic of running your business is all the same. And with all three of us bringing so much to the table, I think you can learn quite a bit. So we're really excited to help you share and bring your business to the next level this season. With all these new transitions, I know that myself, I've had to ask for help because I was also figuring out where do I take my business? Jesse, you and I, we worked a lot. We built paper to profit. And we built all these different courses because we couldn't leave the house. We just poured all (laughs) of our energy into this. I know. But now that the world's kind of opening up again, I also felt a little bit lost too. It was really great talking to Amy McGee on trying to figure out the direction. And that really triggered something inside me to like, I started reading a lot more, trying to figure out like, how can I move the needle of my business? And I ended up joining a mastermind group, Mike Kim. It's branding for you. It was something that I was felt is my identity a little bit lost. Like, how do I build this? Am I more of an artist? Am I more of a creative that runs their business well? How do I move on from this? And how can I merge the two? And it was really eye-opening. Joining a mastermind and talking to people that are your peers that have successfully run their business to share their knowledge. So your learning curve on how to bring your business to the next level really opened my eyes and my ears. It was very interesting. It was a six months mastermind where there was only 12 people in the group. It was people making seven, eight figures. I'm not in that league, you guys. I'm nowhere near that. I was really (laughs) stunned when I was put into this group. I felt, am I in the right group? But it was interesting. It was really revealing when I started listening to everyone, how they were running the business. And the interesting part is, They were really higher thinking on how they ran their business. They had let go of the day-to-day, which is really hard for artists because we are the makers. We have to make our art to be able to sell it. Yes, you could hire people to cut, you know, the petals, but you're the one that's putting it together or you're teaching your team to put it. And that's something that I have never really gotten the chance to because I'm always Mm -hmm. very, this is my art. 
This is how I'm going to make it. And it takes years of experience to do what we do. But I would say I learned a lot about putting in system, which is really important. How do you let go of these day-to-day tasks, like doing the bookkeeping, doing your marketing? How do you set it up so you can actually be thinking six months, a year, two years, five years, and really accurately know how you're going to get there? I think we ask our students, where do you imagine yourself three to five years? But it's like this loose idea. But when you are in the higher thinking, you actually have system, you have plans, business plans on how you're going to execute it. You have quarters to meet. And it was just really interesting to be able to listen to everyone problem and solve it together as a group. That's what a mastermind group is. You have someone that leads the group that asks the right questions, but the whole group, because they're successful in their own right, they're there to help you and to push you and to really help you think in a different way because they're in the different field. We had people that are doctors who are neurologists, who are just something that's completely different that it just blew my mind to see how people ran their business. And I can't really share too much, but it was just really eye-opening. I think it really helped me reset how I ran my business and how I could potentially run it to be even better. And I know, Jesse, you also did something similar, but you did a coaching thing. Can you tell us a little bit more how coaching is different? Yeah, I started this coaching. It's a weekly coaching call or sessions, and mine was only for five weeks. So it was nowhere near as intense as yours. But then it's also a different approach as well. It's not groupthink. Mm -hmm. It's very much a coach. So somebody who is asking questions, who is helping you think through the tools that you already have. So that's different from a mentor who talks about their experience and is there more as a teacher. So a coach is not that. To be honest, it's very hands-off. So if you're looking for intense strategizing, that's not what you go to a coach for. But my specific need for it was because I was feeling very unproductive. I was finding it very difficult to focus on my practice and not so much on the business side. So I think that one big difference is your mastermind was very business focused. My coaching was very much on the intentional practice of my artistic practice. And to some extent, I think that's where we veer off a little bit right now at this moment. Yes. Is that And I needed help. Yeah, this is the first time I've actually reached out to really anybody for help. But what she has been helping me with is how to build intention in my creative practice. And that could be intention in anything. So she asked us about what are our big rocks? So what are our big goals? Like, what really is our objective? And there's a number of them. They could include financial or business as well. Mine was on productivity and finding balance in my life. So ours was not one-on-one. It was like a small group. There was two of us. So the other lady in the group who is a musician, which is really cool, completely different, but also creative. She wanted to do more community building, more networking. We all have our different goals, but we all know how to get there. It's just the accountability is lacking or the execution is lacking or the real like kind of sit down and plan it all out is missing, right? Mm -hmm. What Chris Mitchell does as a coach is guide us through certain strategies to help us get to where we want to be. And to really do a deep dive in terms of what is our priority? What are we doing good at? What are we doing not so good at? What should we say no to, which is a big one? What should we continue doing? But I suppose the difference is because it's your creative practice, there really is no one way to do it. There's no better way to do it. It really is so personal. And that's why those probing questions as a coach is so helpful because we all have different ways to approach things creatively. 
right? Mm-hmm. In a creative practice. Yes. And we all are in different stages of our creative practice. It could be like at a stage where right now I'm more, what do you call it? Intentional in terms of being looking inwards as opposed to outwards. Maybe afterwards, once I'm done my series, I'll have to actually really promote it and be forced to be more outward looking. And so at that point, my goals might be different. So it's really cool how Chris's role in this is really minimal to Mm -hmm. some extent. Minimal as in she's just asking the right questions because sometimes we live in our own minds. Even if we ask the right questions to ourselves, we are so close to it that we cannot step back and see the bigger picture. And so having somebody there who's non-judgmental, who knows a bit about your practice, but not like totally intensely well about your practice, but knowing how to ask the right questions and forcing you to be accountable to those whatever answers you give her, I think it really helps with the momentum of your practice, with the motivation of moving forwards. You feel like you're more intentional and focused on what you want to do and the goals. And I think a lot of us struggle with that when there's so many things going on is being intentional about it. We have the tools. We know what we're going to do, but we don't do it. Having this kind of coaching on the side or even somebody like a buddy, accountability buddy who can really be hard on you on that and not just, hey, what's going on? But hey, last week he said he wanted to do this. Did you do it? Or And they talk you through it. That's really helpful too. So yeah, that's what I've been doing, which is actually through that kind of discussion that I realized I needed to step back a little bit from paper talk. How do you know when to ask for help? I feel like a lot of people, they just go and do the things like, I don't need help. I can do this. If I can just read it, watch it on YouTube or talk to someone else as a friend that's kind of hearing your thoughts, but really not helping. Like I would talk to my husband trying to figure out like my business strategy, but his mindset's completely different. He's not there. He's there to listen, but not really there to give you, he can give you advice, but sometimes it's just not what I want to hear, I guess, because he it's doesn't have close. He's too close. Too close. Yeah. yeah. It's more dynamic going on there than that. Exactly. It's yeah. more like they're, you feel like they're nagging, even though they're not. And someone else says the same thing and you're like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Like it's, it just, it's too close. Yeah. How about you? Uh, have you ever asked for help? I'm definitely the type of person to not ask for help and try to figure it all out for myself. And I like how you said when you took your class that it, one of the biggest things that people that are at that higher level of business, a lot of it is, yeah, the day to day things, they make someone else do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I do everything. And I remember actually having a friend that is a really big entrepreneur and he would always mention that to me. You need to, the day-to-day things are the things that you need to have someone else do and outsource. And then you have to have a bigger picture. And I was like, I can't do that. And I remember him mentioning like something about it's like McDonald's, like how they came from such a small one restaurant and then they're everywhere. But I remember as an artist, I would tell him that I like doing the day to day things and that maybe that's why I'm an artist, not an entrepreneur. (laughs) But it's hard because we are business people, too. So Mm -hmm. I like where both of you guys are at with the whole intentional, also trying to figure out the business aspect to it. Yeah. 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 Learning both of that. Sarah came to Seattle just last week and we 
started chatting and our conversation really stuck with me in certain ways about passive income. And as we mature and get older, we don't have as much energy as someone that's in their 20s or 30s. I would say my energy was more like I can do everything. But as you get older, I mean, your children are getting older. They're demanding more of their time. But how do you bring in income to support your family, to give your brain space to be able to do what you love because you don't want to be tied in to just being a mom. You want to have your own identity. You had one before you had kids, but how do you continue to keep it and evolve to be something that's a little bit more? I don't have kids, but as I do get more mature, I'm thinking about retirement already. I'm going to be 50 next year. And my husband is, I want to retire when I'm like in my mid fifties. I'm like, I don't know if I can retire. I'm not in that brain space and I don't think I ever will be. Even if my husband retired, I'm still going to be creating stuff or making (laughs) big dinners just because I'm just that type of person that I always have to be busy. But I also realize, yes, I do love making and doing. But if you really want to make more income, because if you're tied doing the day to day things, your brain space is taking up with all that. Whereas if you can free a bigger corner of your space to kind of like plan and strategize and figure out. And the weird thing is if I hire someone on my team, I'm pressured to make more income to be able to support them. And the thing is, when you have that pressure, you will also be making more money. Why would you work to pay someone else income? You need to be working to double, triple, quadruple that income. So you're getting paid more for that. That's the only reason why you would hire. If you're hiring someone and you're barely covering their fee and you're paying yourself pennies, you need to get rid of them because you're not ready for that hire. That's something that you need to think about. Yeah, for sure. It's about knowing what you can say no to. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big one. We all try to do everything. And then with social media, they tell you to do this, that, and that. And it's not sustainable. That's the thing, right? You could maybe at some point do everything, but it's just not sustainable. And so finding certain things that you can say no to or certain things that you can hire out, not everything can be hired out. Maybe you can't afford it. So maybe one or two things or one thing. And then some other things that you can cut off instead of doing, I don't know, a post every single day, do a post every other day, batch work it, whatever it is that kind of literally is you do it and then you don't think about it. Like those strategies, I think, are really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we can't do everything. And like you said, it's the day-to-day that stuff that takes up a lot of your mind space. Yeah, you can't plan for the big picture if you have all of that. Yeah, because <laughs> me and my colleague were talking about how like you have these downtimes with the creative. And she was saying, have you ever thought of actually scheduling in downtime? Which is really interesting because we don't. We're like, remember Quinn? Like last year, it was like a hamster wheel. It was like, what are we doing oh, this for? There's exactly. no downtime, which is why we took this break. Yeah, Just because... Having that downtime really let one lets your mind just be free of that stress. And then two, that opens up enough real estate in your mind to think about things that you haven't thought about before or to think bigger. Yes. You're not staring into this. It's not you're not like micromanaging. You're like looking at everything, the forest, right? Mm-hmm. So that's something that I was like, oh yeah. And maybe either take it during your natural lull in your creativity or your business when it slows down, or like literally schedule it in. And take that time off or take that time to think about other things rather than the everyday. That's why people go on vacation. Yeah, it's so important to take that downtime and to re-energize yourself. You can always think better when you're well-rested. Yeah, for sure. Yay. I am looking so much towards season six, just being able to talk to you guys and just sharing more knowledge. We can't wait to take you along this trip with us. For season six, we wanted to bring up our favorite snacks. 
And I just visited Seattle. So my favorite snack for this week was the Rainier cherries that I found. I bought like a pound of them and I ate them all in one sitting. So those are my favorite. (laughs) So good right now. So Rainier cherries, we have Mount Rainier in the state of Washington, and we just have the perfect climate for these beautiful cherries that are very fragile. They don't last very long. So actually eating it in one sitting is perfect because if you wait too long, they just get, they spoil a lot faster than your regular Bing cherries that you always get at the grocery store. But they're so sweet. Oh, they're so good. Beautiful too. They're like this yellow, orange, red color, and it's just so good. Jesse, what's your favorite snack right now? I went to Portugal like a month ago. And funny enough, I brought back these Fair Rocher like bars that my friend had introduced to me when she went to Paris. And then when I came back, I found out they started selling it here. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, what was the point? But still, (laughs) that just means I can replenish my snack drawer of bars. But it's really cool because they have different, I guess they're different flavors. They have the original. Mm-hmm. They have dark chocolate and then they have white chocolate. And I'm like addicted to the white chocolate one. And they go so fast because they're in a bar form. I feel like it's faster because you just snap it off. And then they're, I guess technically they're smaller than the actual round ball of the Ferro Rocher. But when you, with the Ferro Rocher, like as you unwrap it and like your wrappings accumulate, you feel guilty. So you stop. <laughs> but with the bar... It's so easy to just slip it off and then one, two, three, pop it in your mouth and not have to deal with wrapping too. It's uh, it's so addictive. So yeah, that is what I'm munching on right now. Oh, that's awesome. Yummy. I have to look for them. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen them in the United States. In Canada, they just literally started importing them, I think like maybe the week before I left in May. I saw it on the commercial. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I didn't know it was here. I was like, what's the point of buying it from there? But it is. <laughs> there, you can have never enough, never enough of Fair Rocher bars. Yeah, they're really good. Yes. You can get your hands on them. Or I can send you some. I can buy you a bunch. Oh, I will Mm -hmm. send you some chips. Okay, you guys. I have to tell you my favorite snack. Okay, so I had a friend from Victoria come over and visit and she was going to bring me some snacks. So we were going to do a snack exchange. And I was with Sarah and my friend Yvonne and we went to the Asian family market in town and you got to get this. And this chip, it's a potato chip, but the flavor is a Taiwanese oyster pancake. If you ever go to a Taiwanese restaurant, they have this as one of their appetizer. It's like this tapioca potato starch folded in with oysters that's been cooked. And it's really savory, really delicious. But anyway, this is chip form and it doesn't smell like oysters. It just has this really fragrant, savory smell. And the funny thing is this bag, it's small. I would say it's about eight inches in height, but inside is only a quarter of the way. And I think there's 20 chips in there. And I was sharing this with my husband. It's not even, I would say it's not even a handful. It's just one small handful. And we're eating it and we're like, oh, it's gone already. (laughs) But it was so good. But I would say that is going to be a regular chip that I'm going to have in my cupboard. And Jesse, I'm going to send you several bags because one bag bag is not enough, you guys. So Yvonne, thank you so much. If you're listening to this, thank you for recommending this or maybe not because my waistline is going to get wider because of this. It's so good. It's just a great pick me up. Oh, this is so tasty. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm just thinking maybe it's like oyster sauce. It's not not like oyster sauce because it's a little salty. There's a little bit of herbiness to it and it's sweet, but salty, but there's a lot of unami flavor to it, which is really good. Unami. Oh, you're going to love it. I know you're going to love it because we love it. Sarah, I'm going to have to send you some too because you didn't get any the last time. I know. I'm going to have to look for it. You guys ate it all. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. 
All right, you guys, thank you so much for joining us this season. And we can't wait to talk to you more in the coming weeks. Bye. Bye.